Thank you so much to Gary and the team for leading us so ably this morning and encouraging us as we worship. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, I would encourage you to keep them open in the book of Proverbs. Although we'll be looking at a whole host of Proverbs, uh, you might find it helpful to have your Bible open there and turn with me where necessary. Uh, to start us off this morning, I want us to consider uh, one proverb to start us off and to reflect upon, uh, that is Proverbs 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, 24, it says there, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you and worship you. We thank you especially for the opportunity to sit around your word and to study it and reflect upon it and, and by your help apply it. And we would ask, Lord, that knowing that your law is perfect, we would ask that you would revive our souls. Knowing that your testimonies are sure, we would ask that you would make the, the simple wise. Knowing that your precepts are right, we would ask that you would rejoice our hearts that your commandments which are true and pure would enlighten our eyes. We ask this knowing, dear Lord, that you are the only wise and holy God, but we ask this in the name of the one in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we ask. Amen. If you carefully read through the book of Proverbs, uh, you come to realize this very important fact. You cannot be wise and you cannot live wisely if you do not have friends. Uh, you cannot be wise and you cannot live wisely without friends. You and I need friends. Not just friends that love us and encourage us and, and listen to us and understand us, but friends who can be honest with us, who can counsel us, who can challenge us and correct us. Friends who, as a result, will be a source of encouragement and gladness to our hearts. See, whether you like it or not, you and I need friends. God has called us not to be lone rangers. He's not called us to be isolated individuals. No, He's made us for relationships, for community. Uh, Charles Bridges has said this way, man was framed not for solitude but for society. Uh, think about the, the triune God of the Bible, the, the God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. He is a God who lives in relationship, and He has made us in His image to also live in relationship. Relationships that includes friendships. Now, as I say that, I realize that uh, this notion of friendship and, and the importance of friendship is often neglected in our day. Uh, in his book, The Disciplines of a Godly Man, Kent Hughes uh, dedicates an entire chapter to the subject, and he, he makes this helpful observation. He says, today friendship has fallen on hard times. Few men have good friends, much less deep friendships. Individualism, autonomy, privatization, isolation, or culture cachet. But deep, devoted, vulnerable friendship is not. This is a great tragedy for self, 
family, and the church, because it is in relationships that we develop into what God wants us to be. I'm sure you could recognize the truth in that statement. I'm sure you could recognize that we often are are so individualistic as a culture. And one of the results is that we often have more acquaintances than friends. We have more casual friends than, than deep friends. We have more people that we keep at an arm's length than people we allow in and allow close. And realize that's, what's, that's what Proverbs 18.24 warns us against. See, being content with many companions, many casual friends, many acquaintances actually isn't all that good for us. In fact, it says it will lead us to ruin. No, what we need to be built up, that's the opposite of that word ruin. Ruin means to break down. Well, what we need to be built up as people, as, as Christians, what we need is deep friendships. Friends that are like brothers, in fact, closer than family. And if you think through this, this makes sense, doesn't it? See, if, we, if there are no wise and godly friendships, then there will be a lack of depth to our relationships. There, there will be a veneer of friendship, perhaps, but it will all be superficial. We might, might, might know of each other, but we won't really know one another. And if there are no godly friendships among us, then there won't just be a lack of depth, there will be a lack of care. One of the many ways through which we, we give and receive comfort is through deep relationships. But if our relationships are shallow, then so will be our care. But not just that, if there are no wise and godly friendships among us, not only will there be a lack of depth and care, there will be a lack of discipleship. I realize discipleship isn't just one-on-one. It is that. It's importantly that. But it's also on a church-wide level, founding friendships. Finding those coming alongside one another, deeply investing in one another. Just an aside, that's why small groups matter. You're making church friends, friends that can be like brothers in Christ, who invest in you, where there can be open and honest discussions, a willingness to, to give and receive counsel. See, see, friendships are vital for us to be the people that God wants us to be. See, if God is a triune God of blessing, if He's a Father and the Son and the Spirit who lives in relationships, then surely He wants us to have relationships that are deep and caring and formative for us. And what must we do to avoid this lack of depth, this lack of care, this, this lack of formative discipleship in our relationship. What we must do is pursue wise friendships. And this is where Proverbs is so helpful. Proverbs has much to tell us about what it means to be a wise and godly friend. And so this morning, I want us to consider seven characteristics of wise friendships. That is to say, seven characteristics of what makes wise friends and, and what it looks like to behave as a wise friend. Firstly, I want you to see this morning that wise friends 
avoid ungodly influence. Uh, they avoid ungodly influence. Uh, now, for some of us, friendship happens quite easily. All it really takes is a common interest. But just because it can happen easily doesn't mean that all friendships are necessarily good or wise. A Proverbs calls us to, to be discerning when it comes to the friends we make. In fact, one of the very first things Proverbs tells us right after the introduction to the book in chapter 1, verse 1 to 7, is it calls us for discernment here. Uh, consider chapter 1, verse 8 to 13. It says, you're my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and penance for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say to you, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like she, oh, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. See, it's warning us here against making ungodly friends, friends that will lead us away from wisdom and into unrighteousness. The same warning is repeated. Uh, Proverbs 4, 14 to 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Now, why must we avoid ungodly influence? Well, I think we know, right? Uh, friends have a tremendous influence over us. They will either influence us for the good or the bad. I I'm sure all of us can attest to this. I can growing up, and I can attest to this even now as a parent. Every now and then, Sophia comes home and she says something. I wonder to myself, where did she hear that? And I ask her, and she says this little boy's name. I think to myself, what a snotkop. Can I say that in the pulpit? <laughs> Every now I wonder to myself, am I allowed as a pastor to discipline other people's kids? I know I can't, but I want to. And see, we realize that, that friends have influence. And parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You need to be praying for your kids that they would have godly friends. Now remember 1 Corinthians 5.33, bad company ruins good morals. See, bad friends can ruin all the work you put into your children. And so therefore, you need to train your children to be discerning, to make good and wise friends. In fact, for the children that are here, I know there's a few, you need to be careful with the friends that you invite close. Listen to Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. See, those you surround yourself will influence you. Either you'll become a fool like them and will lead to harm, or you become wise. Uh, see, because of this, Proverbs warns us, be careful with the friends you make. Uh, again, Proverbs 16, 17, the highway of the upright turns away from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. And, and so therefore, dear friends, dear church, be intentional with the friendships you have. Guard your way from ungodly influence. 
that's the first characteristic. Secondly, I want you to see that wise friends uh, remain faithful. Wise friends remain faithful. One aspect that I'm sure we all want in our friends is commitment. Uh, We long to have friends that are faithful and, and trustworthy, friends that won't stab us in the back. And Proverbs understands this. Listen to this vital proverb, Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A few lessons right there in that proverb. It tells us that a friend is committed at all times, even in adversity. See, when things get tough, let's be honest, some friends get going. But a true, godly, faithful friend is steadfast and committed. See, someone has said adversity is the the touchstone for all true friendship. See, adversity reveals the the true friend from the false friend. In fact, it's in adversity that a friend becomes more like a brother, more like a sister. Someone who remains, remains faithful throughout. But but not just that, this proverb tells us what that commitment is motivated by, namely love. See, our friendships are to be marked by love, not selfishness. I'm not sure if you realize this, but most of the relationships you have out there are relationships where people want something from you. Whether it's employers or employees, they want something from you. There's something to get out of you that's a selfish relationship. In a sense, sometimes that's what our friendships are. We have many friends that want to get something out of us, not what they can give to us. Have you ever had a friend like that? They, when you talk to them, it's like a conversation in monologue. They never ask questions. They never see how you're doing. It's all me, 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 and me, me, me all the time. And see, that friendship is, is motivated by selfishness. It's not motivated by love. And and that friendship marked by selfishness doesn't last. You don't want it to last. See, the kind of friendship that, that Proverbs calls us to is one motivated by love, love that remains faithful. Now, I'm sure you'd agree this is rare. Proverbs would agree. Proverbs 1967 says, As many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. See, when things go well, when there's prosperity, friends abound. But notice verse 7 All a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? See, when adversity and struggle come, then fair where the friends go. See, realize this kind of friendship is rare. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? Now, if this is true, if, if faithful friends are so rare, then the twofold application lies waiting for us. Firstly, we need to value our friends. If God has blessed you with good friends who are like a brother, like a sister, then cherish them, encourage them, rejoice over them. But not just that, love your friends. 
I realize in our relationships, the natural tendency is towards selfishness. It's easy to enter into relationships for what we can get out of it. But the friendship that this book calls for is one where we give. It calls for self-sacrificial love. Surely this should be the mark of every Christian. Remember Jesus' words, John 13, 34-35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all the people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The implication for friendship is that we ought to be motivated by a love, love that will lead us to be faithful friends, not fair-weather friends. That's the third thing I want you to see. Or the second thing I want you to see. Thirdly, I want you to see that wise friends show care. Wise friends show care. Uh, just listen to this, uh, these parallel proverbs in uh, 27, 14, and 25, 20. It says there, Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. Oh, verse 25 of, or 20 of 25. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who, who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. See, both of these proverbs are warning us against a lack of care. They're telling us that a friend can have good intentions to, to bless, but if they do it in the wrong way at the wrong time, then they're more like of a curse than a blessing. See, faithful friends will be caring friends. Wise friendship requires care, sensitivity, thoughtfulness. Tell me, would I be a good friend if I knew you were going, you were having struggles in your marriage? Did I boast about my perfect marriage? Would I be a good friend if you're financially strapped? Did I boast in my wealth? No. See, wise friends show care, they're thoughtful. And why must we be thoughtful? Why must we show this level of care in friendship? Why, why be sensitive as we relate to one another? Well, one answer could be because that's an aspect of loving one another, right? If we love one another, we'll be careful and thoughtful for one another. But Proverbs, I would suggest, gives another answer. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 19. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. In other words, it's very difficult to win back an offended brother. We, we know something of this, don't we? When we've been hurt by a friend, perhaps it was an insensitive comment, perhaps it was a thoughtless deed, whichever it is, we've been hurt, we've been offended, and it's easy to become discouraged, even angry, and, and end up bitter. And, and the result is our relationship is, is tainted with bitterness and envy. And therefore, we need to recognize that we need to be friends that are faithful and careful so that we would not offend, so that we would build up and not break down. Leads you to the next thing I want you to see. Wise friends speak honestly. Now, just because we need to show care, just because we must not needlessly offend, doesn't mean that we never confront a friend. 
Uh, Proverbs would have us know that wise friendships are friendships where there is a where there is truth that is spoken honestly, which at times will even lead to even offending. See, a friendship where there is isn't transparency and honesty isn't actually, according to Proverbs, wise and godly friendship. Uh, listen to Proverbs twenty nine five. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. See, when applied to friendship, we learn that a friend who is never honest, a friend who, who doesn't want to offend, a, a friend who, who ignores serious evil sin, that friend in his flattery is actually laying a trap, a, a snare for his friend. See, when it comes to wise friendships, there's an honesty that's actually healthy and good. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. See, contrary to what many think today, it's actually loving to be honest at times. It's loving to point out sin. It's loving to point out error. It's loving to warn. This proverb seems to be saying that, that one way we show our love is by actually being honest. See, it is better to have a friend who rebukes because he loves you than having a friend that has this hidden love but who doesn't love you enough to be honest. Such a friend, this proverb would say, is actually a friend of me. He doesn't really care. I consider another proverb on this point, Proverb 24, 26. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Kissing in the Hebrew uh, refers to a, a brotherly affection. And the idea is this, a true friend, a true brother is honest. When he sees a friend in danger, when he sees sin, he speaks with urgency, he speaks with honesty. And all of that is a display of, of affection. Now, John Kitchen's comment is helpful in this. He says, better a friend who cuts with honest words than an enemy who cajoles with pleasant words that carry a hidden motive. Not every smiling face is that of a friend and not every hard word comes from an enemy. See, wise friends are honest. Now, if speaking honestly is one side of the coin, then receiving counsel is the other side. And so, fifthly, wise friends receive counsel. See, wise and godly friends not only speak with honesty, but they listen with humility. Consider a number of proverbs on this. Uh, Proverbs 12, 15, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Thirteen ten, by insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. Or nineteen twenty, listen to the advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. In fact, the big theme in Proverbs is the blessing and the benefit of having friends that counsel you and give advice. Listen to 11.14, where there is no guidance, a people fall, but in abundance of counselors there is safety. 
15.22, without counsel, plans fall, but with many advisors, they succeed. Or 24.6, for by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Do you see the blessing in, in receiving counsel? Safety, success, victory? More than that, there is a sweetness to be had when you have friends that give wise counsel. Uh, Proverbs 27, 9, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes with his earnest counsel. Do we not long for that kind of friendship? Sweet friends who lovingly counsel and guide us. Uh, see, I trust me that we get the point. Wise friends receive counsel. This is one of the chief ways in which we become wise. We become godly through friendships where there's honest giving and receiving of counsel. Uh, the popular verse, uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, Iron sharpens iron, and, and, and one man sharpens Another, for my brother Dina, the King James says this, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. I'm not sure that was a good friend move, but anyway. Realize wise and godly friends are a gift from God. They're used by God to sharpen and refine us in godliness. And so to grow in godliness, beloved, we need godly friends. Why do you think Hebrews makes the point in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25? Let us, not, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet, to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. May I suggest you, do you know why some Christians are lackluster in their faith? Do you know why some Christians are, are still immature and ungodly? Do you know why some Christians are still unrefined and unsharpened? Why, why are they still fail to wage war against the flesh and grow in holiness? It's because they fail to have fellowship with friends. They fail to surround themselves with Christian friends. They fail to receive counsel from godly friends. Again, listen to John Kitchen on this. No man can be his best or reach the heights God intends for him without those blessed friends who comfort, provoke, challenge, rebuke, chide, affirm, stimulate, and encourage until his thinking is clear, his wisdom mature, his purpose refined, and his faculties sharp. See, wise friends receive counsel. In the sixth place, I want you to see, however, that wise friends also overlook minor offenses. I'm sure you would agree, part and parcel of any friendship is hurt. As we saw earlier, friends can sometimes say something thoughtlessly and carelessly and end up hurting one another. And Proverbs knows this reality and speaks to it. Uh, Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Uh, 17, 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. 
19.11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is the glory, it is his glory to overlook an offense. So although wives' friends must speak honestly and, and give counsel, Proverbs recognizes that there are times when it's more loving and more wise and more honorable to actually overlook certain offenses. Now imagine with me for a second, imagine with me if we held on to every little offense, every time someone said something thoughtless, every time someone forgot to greet you, every time someone rubbed you the wrong way. Imagine what kind of people we would be if we held on to that kind of thinking, that kind of behavior. We would become a divided and bitter people. We would have no friends. And therefore, there are times when it's not only loving but wise to, to overlook minor offenses and not catalog every little offense. And realize the Bible calls upon us not to just overlook, but to forgive, to bear with one another. First uh, Peter 4.8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Why overlook offenses? Why forgive? Why bear with one another? Well, dear friends, isn't that how God has cheated us? Isn't that how he, he relates to us? How often does he not overlook our offenses? See, when we do this, when we overlook and forgive and bear with one another, we are actually reflecting something of God's patience, something of God's love for us. Uh, listen to Proverbs or Psalm, Psalm 103, 8 to 10. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor pay us according to our iniquities. See, in overlooking offenses in our friendships, we are reflecting something of the beauty of God's love for us. Now, now don't, don't get me wrong, and not all offenses are minor. If an offense is serious, if it's sinful, if it's divisive, if it's harmful, if it dishonors God, yes, we confront it, yes, we rebuke it, yes, we call for repentance. But let's be honest, more often than not, it's not as serious as we think. See, wise and godly friendship overlooks minor offenses with an aspect of loving one another. I trust you know 1 Corinthians 13, 7, well, love bears all things, love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's an aspect of, of being friends that love one another. Uh, this leads me to the final and concluding point I want you to see. Uh, realize the foundation and the strength and the motive for all true friendship is the friend who's loved us. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the last place, I want you to see that wise friends remember Jesus. Now, I've been helped by Tim Keller here. Tim Keller uh, on this passage says, when you read Proverbs on, on friendship, there's two responses that you ought to have or that perhaps you have. 
Uh, the two responses are this, failure and longing. Uh, why failure? Because every single one of us has either failed as a friend or has been failed by a friend. Uh, we, we looked at Proverbs 17:7 7 earlier, right? A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. Uh, tell me who here has been or has had a friend who's loved at all times, especially in adversity. No one, right? Uh, here's how this proverb points us to Jesus. If a true friend loves at all times, even in adversity, then is there a greater friend than Jesus? Think about it. When you were an enemy of God, when you were under the distress and the slavery of your sin, when you were shutting yourself up in selfishness against God, when you were hideous because of your sin, when you were unfaithful, Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. As you read earlier, John 15, 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. See, at the cross, Jesus displays not just his love for his people, he displays his love for his friends. At the cross, we see the love of a faithful friend who bears the sins and the failures of his friends. Although we've failed as friends, although we've been failed as friends, Jesus hasn't and Jesus doesn't. I started reading Proverbs 18.24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What an apt description of Jesus. There will be friends that leave you and forsake you, but Christ promises us he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He has given us this assurance, Matthew 28, 20. Behold, I am with you always. See, he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In fact, listen to Hebrews 2, 11. Jesus says this of Jesus. He's not ashamed to call us brothers. And, and how is he our brother? Verse 17 says this. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. See, as our high priest, as our mediator, as our brother, as our friend, he's able to sympathize with us. He's able to strengthen us in our temptations. He's able to give mercy and grace. Jesus is no impersonal religious figure. No, he is a nearby present friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the challenge for every single one of us is this. Is he your friend? Do you have that kind of relationship with him where you can say, he indeed is closer than a brother? Have you believed upon him? And have you enjoyed and experienced this, this closeness? I think of Abraham who, who believed God. He was counted to him as righteous. And James says he was called the friend of God. Dear friend, that can be your privilege. Believe upon Jesus and you are counted as a friend of God, a friend of Jesus. Albert Midlane's hymn for children states it this way. 
There's a friend for little children above, above the bright blue skies, a friend who never changes, whose love never dies. Our earthly friends may fail us and change with changing years. This friend is always worthy of that name he bears. Uh, this leads me to the other thing that Keller says. If you read Proverbs on friendship, there will not just be a sense of failure, but a sense of longing. Uh, why longing? Because all of us want good friends. All of us want true friends, true friends that, that are godly, that are, that are faithful, that are caring friends, that, that are honest friends, that give wise counsel, friends that overlook our offenses and forgive us. All of us want those kind of friends. And the question becomes, how do we get those kind of friends? How do we form those kind of friendships? Well, listen to this poem that I think answers the question. I went out to find a friend, but could find no one there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. Isn't that true? For us to, to find and form the godly friendships that we want, we need to become godly friends. And Jesus, through his example and through his enabling power, through his spirit, is able to, to make us the kind of friends that we desire to have. Friends that are godly and, and friends that are faithful and caring. Friends that are honest and give counsel. Friends that forgive. Friends that are growing in all of these things because they're growing in Christ. And so as we pursue wise and godly friends, as we practice being wise and godly friends, dear friends, remember Jesus. Follow and obey Him. Image Him to one another. Rely upon him as your friend. And by his help, by his work, he fashions and forms us into the friends we want to be and want to have. And so may we look to him for this. May we be this. Friends that stick closer than a brother because we reflect our brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for all the instructions that you give us regarding friendship and how vitally important it is to form godly and wise friendships. But perhaps, dear Lord, if nothing else sticks, would you not impress upon us the, the wonder and the joy of knowing and seeing that Christ is a friend? That, that he, when we were faithless, when we denied him and betrayed him, that he was faithful, that he endured the cross, that he endured the shame. Thank you that he, thank you that it was his delight to call his disciples his friends. And would you not so work in our hearts, even this morning, to delight in this, that, that he would call us friends. Would you not stir us to believe upon him again, to run to him, to follow him, to be fashioned by him into friends? You can be like him to one another. 
Help us in this so that we would be a people who are discipled after Christ, who, who are becoming more and more the people you want us to be, a, a people who image and reflect your Son, not just in Europe, but out in the world. We ask this because we need your grace. We need your enablement. We need your Spirit to guide us. And so we ask, do this for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.